Hello from ABA Mid-Year Meeting 2018 in Vancouver, Canada. I'm Lawrence Coletti. And I'm Jeff Keister. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. We're still here at the AVA Mid-Year Meetings. This is our last interview, closing it out. And I have Mr. Jeff Keister joining us today. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great. Happy to be here. Excellent. Excellent. I understand you're uh, on your way home. So this is kind of the last hurrah before you head home to Atlanta. It is indeed, but I'm excited. And uh, it's a great opportunity to share some of the important things that are going on right now for all lawyers. Agreed. And so we saw your session and it's titled... Houston, we have a problem, substance abuse and the legal profession. And I thought, you know, this is just a great time to to bring it up. You know, obviously wellness has become a growing importance, uh, or at least focusing on wellness has become a growing importance within the legal profession. And, and more and more people are sharing their stories about addiction and having some, uh, you know, uh, bouts with depression. Anyway, I wanted to open with that, you know, before we get to your bio, just can you tell me a little bit, like, why is this important to you? Well, I think like so many attorneys, uh, they either were, you know, started drinking in law school or, you know, perfected it, as they say. And unfortunately, it's such a, a prevalent, common thing as part of the legal profession. Attorneys don't seem to get together unless they're uh, unless there's a bar. And, and that's fine, but it reaches a limit at some point that unfortunately, most attorneys don't actually even recognize. And, you know, when you're holding your liquor well and, you know, drinking what seems to be a normal amount and not any more than anybody else, it actually can be depressing and lead to real depression. And, um, you know, there's a link between depression and alcohol uh, use uh, when it gets past a certain amount. And that was sort of part of my story. Um, I was just going to a routine physical and my doctor asked me how much I was, I was drinking. And I said, I don't know, you know, two or three a day. And just sort of stopped and said, well, you know, that's too much, right? And I, and it was like, you know, I, I didn't believe him. And, and he said, yeah. He said, first of all, if you're telling me it's two or three, it's probably three or four or five, right? And he said, is, which is what he said. And I said, yeah, I, yeah maybe sometimes. Um, and so I decided I would, you know, try to stop. Um, and that didn't work really well. So then I just, um, I figured I was gaining weight. I need to lose some weight. So I, you know, it dawned on me that once I you know, started drinking, I would eat anything as well. So I figured, all right, well, to lose weight, I need just need to stop drinking for a while and see how the diet goes. Well, before that, believe it or not, I'd actually had some thoughts of suicide myself. And it, it was, and I didn't realize that it was the drinking that was causing it until I stopped. And then after about a month, this sort of fog lifted and it was, it was as though that was someone else that was thinking of suicide because it was a ridiculous idea. And it took that long, took a month. It took about a month uh, to get out totally out of my system. And it sort of dawned on me that, you know, alcohol, we all know is a depressant. And so it shouldn't be a surprise to us that if we're depressed or having trouble with sort of a sad, you know, perspective on life. And that's sort of what depression is. You just, things are just sad. You know, how's it going? Ah, you know, you know, if people just have a sad, you know, I, I don't really like my job. My life just not really where I thought it would be. If you're drinking a little more than, and you know, they say it's like one to two drinks a day, then you're susceptible to, you know, that sort of depressive effect. And you can find yourself thinking about suicide and, you know, lawyers, it's the third leading cause of death from a statistic standpoint. Most folks don't, lawyers don't even realize that. Um, And then the statistics are also showing that we drink 
probably more than any other profession out there as well. And, you know, that's no coincidence because that depressive effect, and I think really this, the surprising thing to me was, well, you hear it's a depressant. Well, that's fine, you know, but then the hangover wears off and I'm not depressed anymore and life's, quote, back to normal. But the problem is if you drink, you know, consistently every day, you know, like I said, two or three drinks or more, then you have this long-term depressive effect that is really unknown and you don't really know it's there. And that that's really the insidious part about it is that you find yourself having these thoughts of suicide or making sort of depression-related uh, decisions that it's really not you thinking those thoughts and it's something else is actually in control. One other thought I've had recently is that, you know, what is it? Nature abhors a vacuum and control is the same way. So if you're not really controlling the amount of uh, alcohol you're drinking at an acceptable level, then alcohol will control you. You know, it's the same thing with, with other people, you know, your job, you've got to have some sense of self-control and, and because if, if you're not controlling your life, something or someone else will be controlling. It's just, like I said, nature abhors a vacuum. So something will be controlling you. Let's get into some of the causes, you know. So obviously the profession's got a bad reputation uh, for substance abuse, for depression, and obviously, you know, leading to this, this recent march towards wellness. And so as someone that experienced it uh, yourself, uh, what are some of the causes? They're a bunch, and I'm not going to be able to list them all here. And, you know, every situation is different, and all law firms and, you know, other uh, legal employment situations are different. But, you know, the, we deal, lawyers in general deal with incredibly stressful situations. You know, every area of law, you're dealing with, you know, people's livelihood, you know, their um, their freedom. And so it's very stressful. And, and of course, folks have said, well, other professions are stressful as well. I mean, take a surgeon, you know, that's obviously very life or death, very stressful. But, you know, one of the analogies uh, um, I've heard in that respect is that, yeah, that's true, but there's not a surgeon on the other side of the operating table trying to kill the patient. So when we're experiencing stress, we're not only dealing with the actual facts and the situation and our client and how stressful that is, but we're also dealing with an opposing counsel a lot of times or, you know, someone or something on the other side of whatever it is that, that we're working on. So that can be very stressful, number one. Number two, um, like I said, it's it, the culture of alcohol is just is so, you know, it's so part of the culture that it's difficult to talk about. It's, um, and again, you just assume that everyone drinks as much as you're drinking. And as you start building up your tolerance, it just gets more and more. And as long as you're not, you know, falling down, driving drunk and missing deadlines and still doing okay work, you figured there's not a problem. Well, until you just decide, you know, you want to kill yourself because you can't take it anymore or life's just too sad. Um, so the stress, the, the environment, just the culture of alcohol, then there's just the confidentiality and the fear of saying anything to anyone. So if, even if someone thought they might have a drinking problem or, or if they wonder, are they drinking too much? They can't really say anything to anybody about it because, you know, if their work product did suffer in the future, then, oh, well, you know, so-and-so was concerned about his drinking and, you know, that must be it. And now, you know, they don't make partner or they, you know, have a different law firm or something bad will happen. So lawyers are really good and we're taught to keep our client secrets. And so that just 
you know, translates over into, well, we've got to keep our own secrets as well, because somehow this will end up biting me if I try to get help or even ask the question of, you know, do I have a problem? You think some of it, uh, you know, kind of animal kingdom rules, you know, when you're weak and you're sick, you don't want to let on that you're uh, weak and uh, or sick for, for whatever reason. And so you cover that up because you are in an adversarial environment. So you don't want to show that weakness. Absolutely. So. You're exactly right. That's interesting. That's interesting. And, uh, you know, we've had a few of these conversations in the past and uh, some people are offering the theory and I, you know, I don't think that I disagree is that it starts early. You know, when you go to those TGIFs in law school, you know, people get there and drink quite a bit. You're out there, uh, you know, social lubricant there. You want to get to know everybody, but you've also blown off some steam uh, after a hard week. And so I think that's uh, another aspect of it. That, that's exactly right. And you're, you know, two or three or four o'clock in the afternoon thinking, boy, this has been a tough day. I can't wait till I get home and have that glass of wine and unwind and everything will be cool. Well, that's fine until that glass of wine becomes that, you know, bottle of wine that you're polishing off every evening. Um, and, and like I said, pretty soon you will be making decisions that it really won't be you and you won't realize that it's not you. One of my favorite quotes is from an Austrian-born uh, British philosopher from about 100 years ago, Ludwig Wittgenstein, and his, his, uh, his quote was, there's nothing more difficult than not deceiving oneself. Nothing more difficult than not deceiving oneself. And especially when it comes to alcohol, you will deceive yourself and, and you will want, you know, feel like you need to drink more. For me, it wasn't so much, I want to drink more to feel even better or sort of keep this feeling going. Oddly enough, it was sort of the avoidance of finally sort of not having that feeling because it was a little bit of a, of a physically displeasant feeling. And so it's almost like, well, once I'm drinking, I just have to keep drinking till I go to bed. So for whatever the reason is that people find they need to just keep drinking versus, you know, call it off at one, maybe two, you know, identify that and realize that something else is, you know, causing you to deceive yourself to think that that's just okay. That's what everybody does. I deserve it. Whatever the reasons and the justifications and rationalizations are, you know, like I said, the default is we deceive ourselves. So <laughs> we shouldn't be surprised when we're making those kinds of decisions. And, and especially if you've tried to slow down and can't, you know, that's, that's just a perfect indication of, you know, you need to either go cold turkey for at least a while. And, and that's sort of my story. You know, there are a lot of folks in recovery that are, you know, 12-step folks that have identified that they just have the disease of addiction or, you know, they need to have, you know, they need to not drink at all. And in some ways that's easier. And so if you've actually thought about it and you're considering doing it, then I would suggest just do it. But if you're, you know, like many of the rest of us and like myself, where you're just, you don't believe you have an addiction and you're just not going to go to a 12 step. And unfortunately you may be going down the road that you're either going to have an accident and hopefully not hurt yourself or anyone else or, you know, lose a job or miss a deadline or something, you know, to where you, you know, finally realize, okay, you do have to do the full 12 step program. But if you're not going to do that, maybe until something like that happens, then at least, you know, count how many drinks you're having a week. Like I said, the experts say 10 to 14, one to two a day, if you're doing anything more than that, 
then you're a problem drinker. You know, you're you're abusing alcohol. And just because we're lawyers doesn't make us not humans. I know it might seem like we're not sometimes, but you know, the human body is the same for everybody. And medically, if you're drinking more than that amount, you know, it's an it's a very objective measure then there's a good chance that you have some mild form of depression and you're just not thinking as clearly as you could be. Let's close it out with some solutions, uh, some facts that might help some people check in, maybe some resources that you're aware of. Absolutely. So first of all, all states have lawyer assistance programs, and I'm actually the chair of the lawyer assistance program in Georgia. Uh, I'm from Atlanta, and I'm a patent attorney there. And that's why I, uh, I'm also the chair of the Intellectual Property Law Section's new committee on substance abuse and, and mental health. And, and like you said, wellness is sort of the thing that's going on right now. So in addition to lawyer assistance programs that are in every state, um, and particularly for Georgia, I'm not aware of all the other states, you know, Georgia, just by being a, an attorney in the state of Georgia, you get six prepaid professional licensed counselor sessions per year per issue. So you could go get six for depression and go get six for alcohol dependence and six for anxiety or or whatever. Um, And I suspect other state bars have similar kinds of programs. And they're all incredibly confidential, but we as lawyers, we just don't believe it. And it's unfortunate, but I can assure you, you you go talk to these folks, it's not going to go to discipline. It's not going to go you know, in a paper or somebody, people are just not going to find out about it. But yet we're all so scared like rabbits or something that we just, we can't take any risks at all. Uh, And that's really, uh, it's unfortunate uh, that we, again, deceive ourselves into thinking that I can handle this on my own. I've solved, you know, clients' problems every day. I can solve my own. In fact, it's not even really a problem. And if it does become one, I'll deal with it. It's just not true. If, if you think you could possibly use some help from someone, you know, you go to a medical doctor for a medical problem. Why don't you go to a, a mental doctor, if you will, for, you know, a mental problem? Um, so first of all, those are those state resources, both in, in the lawyer assistance program as well as the wellness. Like you said, it's sort of a popular thing to talk about these days. And mental wellness is, and mental health is certainly, along with physical and, and spiritual and other uh, health well, you know, categories, it's certainly one of uh, the most important ones. Other than that, you know, uh, law firms a lot of times will have employee assistance programs, EAPs they call them, um, where that's also, you know, typically a prepaid kind of a situation where you call a number and no one in your firm is going to find out you called and you can just talk to someone. If you don't want any one of those resources, I mean, there's li- licensed professional counselors and psychologists everywhere um, where you can go and just tell them, you know, hey, I don't think I got a problem, but, you know, and again, for me, it was my medical doctor. And if I hadn't told him, and thank God he asked, because again, I, you know, this was just a routine physical. And he's like, how much are you drinking? Kind of out of the blue. And, you know, I was honest with him. So first of all, be honest. And if you don't know how much you're drinking, you need to know. (laughs) That's sort of an important thing. I think most lawyers just, you know, they don't even know how much they drink because they drink like everybody else. And again, they're not, you know, they're not seeing any any actual negative impacts to the amount that they're drinking that they can, you know, identify from an objective standpoint. Like I said, they're not getting DUIs. They're not, you know, missing deadlines. But, you know, there's this thing called a functional alcoholic where you're fully functional, but yet you're either dependent on alcohol or possibly abusing it. So those are the resources that I would send people to. I'm sure there are others out there. The ABA has just come out. Uh, in fact, tomorrow morning, uh, Monday morning, there's a resolution 105 is actually up um, for a vote. And 
um, there's a, a wellness task force that uh, the ABA and other groups recently um, participated in, and it's actually online uh, if you want to go take a look at it. It's lawyerwellbeing.net. Again, that's lawyerwellbeing.net, and this was a national task force uh, that they released their study August 14th of just this past year. Um, and it references an earlier study by the ABA and, and, and Hazel and Betty Ford um, on just 13,000 lawyers were, were surveyed um, in terms of substance abuse and mental health and all sorts of other things. And that's really where both, both of these studies uh, were, I think, where we got Houston, we have a problem, you know, from because we really do have a problem and it, it's not sustainable you know, our profession can't continue in this direction and there not be a, not only a problem to the profession, but a problem to the public because, you know, we are important society, whether or not they believe it or not, depending on the day you ask them, they need us and they need us to be healthy. So just one last question. I want to give you an opportunity to plug your bio. There's going to be someone out there listening. You know, I, I really identify with Jeff and I'd love to talk with him in person, maybe reach out to him. And I know he gave us just a, an asset here, lawyerwellbeing.net. Uh, Is that correct? That's right. Uh, but in addition to that, you know, uh, if you wouldn't mind, just you know, tell, tell us a little bit about your practice, uh, you know, where you practice, and then leave us some contact information for our listeners. Absolutely. I mean, first, in terms of contact information, feel free to call or uh, email me. My email address is jkeister, the letter J, last name keister, K-U-E-S-T-E-R, at taylorenglish.com, T-A-Y-L-O-R, english.com. I'm an attorney in private practice. Taylor English is about a 150-lawyer firm, uh, general practice. Uh, As I said earlier, I'm a patent attorney, uh, electrical engineer, uh, undergraduate, and primarily practice in the uh, patent preparation, trademark preparation, and some litigation uh, areas as well. For any other engineer or technical folks out there thinking about it, um, the way I, I talked about earlier, the, the long-term depressive effects of alcohol, uh, I sort of looked at it like, you know, there's an AC and a DC component of electricity, and, and AC is what we think is all there is, but there's actually a negative DC component <laughs> that lowers the whole AC wave um, that we don't even know is there, and it's sort of a sleeper you know, drag on the voltage, if you will. And it's, uh, it, it's, it, it made perfect sense in my mind and sorry for the analogy for the non-technical folks out there, but, it's great. um, but it, it, it was like that hidden DC leak in voltage that once it was gone, it was like, oh, wow, I can't believe I, I was really, you know, operating uh, that way for so long. And it just, it made life sad. And so if you find yourself that life is just sad, and there's really no other way for me to put it, that's the, kind of the only word, then it may be the alcohol affecting you. So I, I would really urge you to, to either cut back or just, you know, for me, I went, you know, for actually for an entire year, I decided I was going to go for a year and sort of reset my body. Um, and then, you know, that way you can still have your drink or two a day and, you know, not feel like um, it needs to be more um, for whatever reason. Well, although this episode will air after Super Bowl Sunday, uh, who are you rooting for and who do you think is going to win? Oh, boy. You know, it's hard not to think that the Patriots are going to win. But um, I have to say, since I'm from Atlanta, I think we're still hurting from uh, from last year. So (laughs) might have to go for Philadelphia on this one. There you go. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank our guest, Jeff Keister, for joining us today and also our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please rate us an Apple podcast. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. 
Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.